even Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. This, of course, after Jesus had just told the disciples that the one who dipped his hand with him would betray him. While they were eating, which is a phenomenal thought, that Jesus is still serving Judas, knowing he would be betrayed. Same night, wash the feet. Same people, washing the feet of Judas. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And they took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all of them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you. In my Father's kingdom. When they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus walked literally into that betrayal and into that suffering and into that sacrifice. He knew exactly what he was doing. I want us to take a moment. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I'll, I'll give you instructions shortly. But I say all of this because I think sometimes you and I find ourselves in moments where we're not sure if Jesus knows what he's doing. Because we wouldn't write the story the way it was going. That's always been true. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. So while the music plays in a moment, I want you to take a moment where you are. I want you to pray. And then I want you to go to one of the couple of places in the room where we have the elements. Here in the back of the room. And I want you to take them back to your seat. Hold on to them. Spend a moment in prayer and silence. We'll take it together.
Later, years, years, years later, Paul wrote what for us are the most familiar words about the Lord's Supper. But they're, wrote, they're written in a moment of discipline for a church that was not at all living the grace and peace of Jesus the way they were supposed to. Literally, moments before these familiar verses, it says in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Six verses before, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, betrayed, took bread, and we'd given thanks, he broke it said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus died for Christians that weren't very good Christians. Jesus died for people who weren't very good people. Jesus died for people who didn't deserve what this is. But at the same time, it's all meant to change us less like ourselves more like Him Jesus thank you for your body broken for us we recognize that this represents you This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance. that you are on the move today. So Lord, move in us exactly as you would want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
as Rachel once reminded me, it's probably a good idea to cover it up when I'm about to preach. <laughs> if anybody, nobody wants to sit in the front row for certain reasons, certainly we don't want. It's a thought you've never had, isn't it? <laughs> but it is a thought you will think next time. Especially in the post-COVID era. Anywhere I am and I sneeze or I cough in public, I get... And then I do the same when others do it, right? We are now conditioned. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them with me to the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. We spent a lot of time in Colossians 3 because it's, it's very, very powerful. And we, we went through this text once, but I want to come back to it in a little more detail because... Because honestly, it's perfect for this week and what this week represents. I think most of us know that gratitude is good for the soul. Do you know that? Have you heard that? Right? I mean, literally, scientific study after scientific study would suggest to us that gratitude is so, so good for the soul. But I noticed this certain habit among us and in us We all think gratitude is good. We all think that we are grateful. But a lot of the time, it's more something we slip in and out of. Would you say that's fair? In fact, if we're honest, probably more out than in. And one of the things I've noticed about gratitude is it's one thing for me to feel grateful, but I want you to make a distinction this morning between feeling something and expressing something. Because if I'm feeling it, but I'm not expressing it, then it's just internal to me. But once I'm expressing it, I'm in relationship. Let me see if I can come at this from another angle. It's, it's, it's a random Tuesday. I'm thinking about my wife or my kids. I'm feeling good on the inside about my wife and my kids. But I never express anything, so they never know what I'm feeling, right? I didn't express it. Whereas when I'm expressing it, I'm in conversation. I'm in relationship. They know that I know, and I know that they know. And so that said, I think gratitude often ends up in this place where we think, oh, I feel it, or frankly, I don't feel it, but Maybe the feeling comes and goes as quickly as it does or as irregularly as it does simply because I'm not in the habit of expressing. In other words, it's one thing to be thankful for something. It's another thing to be thankful to someone. And in my own life, what I notice is when I am thankful to someone and I express it 
and I get in the habit of doing that regularly, it becomes more regular in my life. It, it becomes more of a, of, of a habit. And I don't mean a mindless habit. I brush my teeth every day. My dentist reminds me. Aren't you glad to know that? Glad to know this. Glad to know that. Right? In fact, more than once a day I brush my teeth. Right? My dentist reminds me periodically. Actually, the hygienist reminds me periodically. I see the dentist for 10 seconds. Right? If I see him for like 30 minutes, that's a bad sign usually. Right? But the hygienist says, oh, you know, you're not. You're forgetting back here. And you're forgetting over here, and you, you haven't, you know, the, the teeth that are around here that you got to angle at, and all of that to say that even good habits can become mindless, right? Thanksgiving is good. I don't think anyone would disagree. In fact, the holiday is good. Is, is there? Is I imagine there's always somebody in a crowd that would say, yeah, I really don't like the day, like I don't like turkey, I don't like dressing, I don't like football, I don't like parades, I don't like rolls, I don't like pie. Like at this point, I'm seriously questioning, what do you like? Yeah. <laughs> right, because Thanksgiving has a bit of all of it, and to the point of excess, in the American experience at least. And not only is there pie, there's usually a ratio in play, and it's often a one-to-one ratio. Side of this, pie of that. Side of this, pie of that. So if you look at your Thanksgiving spread this week, and you have one pie and like 15 sides, then you realize you've got to, re, you've got to readjust that, right? Right? Because if there's, if there's five sides, you're, you're usually looking at three to five kinds of pie. Am I going, oh, come on, don't look at me like I'm crazy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's got to be a right ratio. This is silly. Thanksgiving is good. But if I don't have a rhythm of regular gratitude, of expressing regular gratitude, then it won't be something I practice on an ongoing basis. And frankly, for gratitude to be good for my soul, what I need is a lifestyle, not a holiday. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So there's all of this we do that's fairly worshipful. And I would note for you, it's let let the peace of Christ, but the way it is said is in the plural. This isn't just an individual sort of scripture, meaning this is given to the church. So this is something we do together. And actually, I, I really thought about going the direction with this message, <coughs> excuse me, in the direction of what we do on Sundays. 
Because this is a perfect description of what we do Sunday in and Sunday out. Right? Let the Word dwell richly. Let the peace of Christ rule among you. Let, let singing admonish and teach you. We leave whatever you do in word and deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This all outlines what we should be doing each and every Sunday. But, but I, I, I think I wrote three outlines for this message. Because that's the way my brain works sometimes. But this is sort of what I settled on because I think it's so important we get this lesson for Thanksgiving. And it's this one thing, this idea that this is all about, that I actually have to give thanks for Thanksgiving to do me any good. Because knowing that the pie-to-side ratio tends to be not exactly one-to-one, but close to one-to-one. Knowing that, that you know, I'm going to eat... Again, I, I'm silly and I'm weird, but one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving is leftovers. Partly because we only eat this meal once a year. So we get our fill of it by like a week after Thanksgiving. And then we don't eat this meal again for another year. So, so there's this sense on Thanksgiving Day that it's like, I'm going to graze a little bit. I'm going to eat a big meal. And then the rest of the day, I'm going to graze. And what I'm grazing between is a little sides over here, a little bite of turkey there, a little pie over here. And then I'm going to do it again and again and again and again. And that's all just Thanksgiving Day. That doesn't always do me any good. Do you know what I mean? Somebody said to me earlier, literally, they said, Brian, this picture, this, there's this guy in this red shirt, and he looks a little like you, but not exactly. Who is this guy? And, you know, it's just me 15 years ago. So what am I getting at? I'm getting at Thanksgiving's come and go, and that we really enjoy the holiday, typically speaking, food, family, football, faith. You know, it's got the four F's. See another outline. But for Thanksgiving to do me any good, I actually have to give thanks. And when I give thanks, notice I'm giving it to someone. Because if it's not expressed, then it's not given to someone, then I'm going to suggest it's, it's not doing me any good. And to do this, I really have to slow down. Because if I'm just flying through preparation for pie and dressing and pie and turkey and pie and rolls and pie and... You're going to be hungry by the time you leave today. We had supper. If I'm just flying through my week preparing for thanksgiving but not giving thanks i'm not really preparing my heart for thanksgiving i'm just preparing food which puts us in the you know the mary and martha story where mary sat at the feet of jesus and martha's up back in the kitchen worried 
and upset about many things. And she finally decides to go interrupt Jesus and give Jesus the what for, for letting Mary sit back and do nothing. Everybody who prepares Thanksgiving knows exactly what I'm talking about in that story. <coughs> because, because, because I'm saying you got to slow down and take time to choose gratitude. You got to take time to slow down to be thankful. And we're all going, this is not the week I have time to slow down. Clearly, Brian, if you're thinking about slowing down this week, you're not the one who buys the food and cooks for Thanksgiving. You're not the host, you know, because some of us, right, the, the family meal when the gathering happens, some of us slide in with one of those pies. And some of us prepare the whole spread. And there's a slight difference in the amount of work, right? I simply want you to see that I can be distracted by the good things of Thanksgiving and completely miss the point of giving thanks. I actually have to give thanks for Thanksgiving to do me any good. So the question I think I'm asking you right now is, when will you give thanks this week? Maybe it is Thanksgiving Day. Maybe it's the day before Thanksgiving. Maybe it's the night before, except you're making pies and rolls because those got to rise. And maybe it's later today or tomorrow. And when will you choose to express gratitude to Jesus this week? There are enormously good reasons to do so. When this begins to be not just something we do annually, but week, weekly, daily, I might add, it's enormously <clears throat> beneficial to us. So I want to walk back through the text one more time. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, I want to ask the question, what happens when I, and what happens when we, Choose gratitude as a way of life. Really, what happens when we choose gratitude as a way of life? I got four ideas. I think there's four. Yeah, there's four. What, what does gratitude lead to when this becomes, this won't work. You don't get to do this one time, and you're good for the next year, by the way. For this to work, it's got to be lifestyle-like. What happens when this is a way of life? Number one, gratitude allows the peace of Christ to overrule my reactions and my relationships. Gratitude allows the peace of Christ to overrule my reactions and my relationships. Verse 15 said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So I would notice that a couple of things just here in this verse. One, it, it says we were called to peace, and in the context of us, this is relational, it's community, it's unity. But we read it and we go, oh, peace for the soul. I need peace in my soul so I, so I can be grateful. That's a misunderstanding of this verse in a lot of ways. For one, 
I won't have peace in my soul if I'm not choosing to be grateful. We've reversed the order. What we're saying is, God, I want you to give me peace, and then when I have peace in my soul, then I'll work on being grateful. And if that, that's circumstantial, by the way, and if that's what you're really waiting on, I don't know, maybe some random Tuesday at three in the afternoon, you go, oh, there it is, and there it went. Or more likely, if it's going to be regular in your life, you're going to choose it day in and day out. This is lifestyle stuff. And as you're living it in lifestyle, you're choosing gratitude, and the gratitude leads to peace. But the peace spoken of here is not just that calm. It is that relational sense of unity that is supposed to exist among us as we practice love and grace together. Does Does this make sense? And it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And in my point, I said overrule my reactions and relationships because the word rule is, it, it sounds like a dictator sort of word. He's ruling over you or she's ruling over you. That, that's not actually what this word means. This word actually means, it's, it's an athletic term and it means to preside at the games and distribute the prizes. It's the person who's literally, it's the umpire. So when I have things going on inside of me, it's saying when I choose gratitude and I let the peace of Christ rule inside of me, that what I'm doing is I'm letting the peace of Christ overrule some things and go, nope, that's not allowed. Nope, that's not acceptable. Nope, that's a ball, that's a strike. I don't know about you, but I was watching a, uh, I watched a little football yesterday, right? There, There were a couple of teams playing I was really interested in and, um, I was rooting for a team late in the day yesterday that is not here in Eugene, but is down the road. <laughs> I was rooting for them. Is it allowed to say? Right? The one week of the year that Ducks root for Beavers when they play. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, it's, it's one of those kind of deals. And, uh, you know, I, I generally speaking, I do rule. I, I rule. I do root uh, for the Beavers. So I'm watching the game and it's like the ref throws a flag and calls pass interference and the pass interference was like, that's pass interference on the Beavers. The Washington guy is tackling him, no pass interference. That might have made a difference in the game since that and the inability to punt a ball, but I try, that same thing will come back on the Ducks because like our ability to kick field goals is. I don't I don't know about you, but I think these guys practice in the rain. If anybody in the land of America should know how to punt and kick in the rain, right? It was. I, I'm wasting time at this point, but you're enjoying it, I think. There are referees on the field and umpires on the field and they do all of this work and they're throwing flags and we just want them to be fair in the way they throw flags. I mean, either call pass interference or don't call pass interference, but don't call it one way or the other, right? So the thing is, when I'm letting the peace of Christ rule in my heart, literally what I'm doing is I'm, there's nobody more fair. In fact, I, I, seriously, it's another study, but Jesus is more than fair. He's graceful. 
But when I'm letting his peace overrule some things, you know, there's these commercials now where they do the replay thing. You know, a husband and a wife get in an argument and, right, and the guy comes out with the camera and they replay to see, right, they threw a red flag on the play and they do the replay thing. And, like, wouldn't it be cool if that really existed? Now, you could, you could say, can we review this? Right, the problem is we want to be the referee. We want to throw the flag. But this is saying that the peace of Christ gets to overrule some stuff. And when my attitude is bad, gratitude allows the peace of Christ to overrule some things in my reactions and my relationships. And I'm certain that some of what goes on inside of me needs like 15-yarder, right? Or you're out of the game. I saw a new proposal for baseball, though. It said once a year, every team should get the ability to throw out an ump for once. I like that idea. It would bring a little more drama to the equation. The peace of Christ is not the umpire we want to throw out. Number two, gratitude allows the voice of Christ to transform my thinking. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message of Christ, let the word of Christ, let the voice of Christ dwell among you richly. Gratitude allows the voice of Christ, by the way, this is the voice of Christ. Sometimes people say, I'm just not hearing much from God these days. And, And what I'm asking is like, are we in our Bibles? Because to say to the word of Christ, I don't want anything real, I don't have time, it's not a priority, or I don't want anything to do with you, and then to say to God, I'm struggling to hear your voice, is an oxymoron. Really, I'm just the moron. Because I'm saying, I won't listen to your voice, but I'm going to complain I'm not hearing it. So it says, let, let the message of Christ, which would be grace, of course, but but as much, it is, it is the word of Christ, it is the word of Christ, the voice of Christ, that I need that to dwell richly in me, to abide. It means to feel at home. And I feel more gratitude when I'm allowing the word of Christ and the voice of Christ to be at home in my heart. Does this, does this make sense? I need to dwell richly. Number three. Gratitude allows the worship of Christ to strengthen my soul, right? It allows the peace of Christ to overrule my reactions, my relationships, the voice of Christ to transform my thinking, the worship of Christ to strengthen my soul. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, make a home, feel at home in you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, or songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Sometimes, churches go to war over words like psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Literally, you ever been a part of a church do the like, Old songs, new songs, right? The new instruments, old instruments, right? The debates over how to worship, and and you never mind. The focus is supposed to be on who we worship, 
But I was reading a commentary this week. It's quite old. It was written a long time ago. And it was getting after that some of the new songs that were going on were not all that good theologically compared to the old hymns of the day. And you would have thought it was written in the 2000s or the 2020s or something like that. And I don't know exactly when it was written, but it's quite old. Meaning this battle's been going on. I bet that day they went, but I like that one better. Right? It's actual scripture instead of something about scripture. My point is just that if we're fighting about worship, we're missing the point. Gratitude allows my worship of Christ and our worship of Christ to strengthen us. It clarifies, it causes growth, it encourages, sometimes it corrects, certainly it drives me to change my direction in repentance. The word teach means to instruct, the word admonish means to counsel. Sometimes sometimes I need a coach that says, no, don't go that way, go this way. Gratitude, when it's practiced as a lifestyle, allows what we do Sunday after Sunday to be what goes on in my soul day after day. He said, Brian, are you saying that the only music I'm allowed to listen to is like Christian radio? No, because in a moment it's going to tell us whatever you do in word or deed. This doesn't mean that Christian radio is the only music thou shalt ever listen to. And the 11th commandment is thou shalt be bad. Is there anything wrong with Christian radio? No. Do I like Christian radio? Yes. But I I don't know. I listen to country music. I don't know. Am I allowed to admit that? I listen to country music. Sometimes you listen to, I don't know, pop or, or Mike, you seem like a hip hop guy, you know, whatever you listen to, can it drive you to gratitude to God in your hearts? This isn't about music. It is about worship. And when I'm Engaged with the Spirit of Jesus. And I'm worshiping the Spirit of Jesus. And I'm choosing gratitude with the Spirit of Jesus. My soul can only be stronger for it. One last thing, number four. Gratitude allows the name of Christ to become the most important thing about me. Gratitude allows the name of Christ to become the most important thing about me. Or uh, one version of this, I said to become my why. This is what the verse says. Verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in word or deed. So clearly what this means is everybody should quit their jobs and whatever they do that don't work for the church and work for the church. Because then you can say whatever you do in word or deed, you're doing all... Yeah, that'd be a gross misinterpretation. The point is not secular versus sacred. Brian does whatever he does in word and deed. But if I work for Costco, 
on the Friday before Thanksgiving, which praise the Lord if you do, because it was absolutely nuts when I was there on Friday. But if you work, can you work for Costco and do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God? Yes. Yes, we all have a different calling in our life. This isn't about the, the application of what we do. It is literally about what's going on inside of us while we're doing whatever we're doing. So it can be two in the afternoon at work. It can be seven at night on a Friday night. It can be any moment and any day at any time where I'm giving thanks to God the Father. But, but, but I have to actually, for Thanksgiving to do me any good, I have to give thanks. Give thanks leads to thanks giving. Make sense? My problem is that often I want this to be a I'll schedule it kind of thing. Like I'll do it when Sunday rolls around, you know, Sunday to Sunday rhythm. Or in the American experience these days, an every second or third Sunday to Sunday rhythm. Because now the new regular church attendance is is, you know, if you're here once, twice a month, that's, that's regular church attendance. I'm not getting on you necessarily. I'm just recognizing that everybody talks about how attendance in church has dropped. Really what's dropped is how frequently we attend church. Is attending church what this is about? Absolutely not. Can I attend church and not do this? Yeah, you ever been in church and been so angry with something or someone that you're seething? Right? I can be in church. This is not about location. It is about what is happening inside my heart. And it can happen inside a church, outside a church, when we're scattered across the community, when we're gathered together in worship. It can happen anywhere, anytime. But we have to choose it. I have to choose to give thanks for thanksgiving to do me any good. I'm going to say a couple of prayers, and, uh, and then we're going to do one more thing. You go with that? Jesus, I recognize that some of us here today need you, maybe, maybe for the very first time ever. And so I want to give space and opportunity for someone who's here right here right now or maybe online watching right here right now to begin a relationship with you. So if that's you, would you pray this prayer of salvation with me? Dear Jesus, I don't deserve you. And yet you died for me anyway. So Jesus, thank you for choosing me and loving me. Jesus, please forgive my sin. I turn to you. I believe you died and rose again. I ask you to be my God. Help me live this lifestyle of thanksgiving, of giving thanks every day. Pray in Jesus' name. If that's you, you prayed to follow Jesus, begin a relationship with him, become a Christian for the very first time, I just want to celebrate that. I'm so glad about that. I'm so excited about that. 
In fact, so much so that what I'd really love for you to do is tell someone. Tell me, tell a friend, tell someone you came with, tell someone online. You can find me after service. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. A lot of us prayed prayers like that some time ago. A lot of you are baptized in these photos that are around the room, but you still, you, <laughs> your brain sort of forgot since last year that Thanksgiving is not a holiday, it's a lifestyle. And this week, you need to tune back into that. And if that's you, pray this prayer of application with me. Maybe out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and gracing me and changing me. And every day this week, help us to choose rhythms of gratitude, of giving thanks and expressing thanks. Change our hearts. As you change our perspectives. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 While you enjoy pie and stuffing and pie and potatoes and pie and football and pie and whatever else you enjoy this week, I hope you're choosing some gratitude along the way. I want to do... I want to do one more thing today. We spent a, you know, we're, we're here in this month of Thanksgiving. We're thanking God for 30 years of Harvest Community Church and 30 years of baptisms and 30 years of reaching our community and 30 years of various other things. And so uh, I have a special guest with us today. Um, the principal of Monroe Middle School is here. I'm going to invite son to come on up and, and uh, just sit with me for a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about this partnership and, and what we do and how it's beneficial. Son, how are you, man? Oh, man. How are things? All right, that should be on. Let's hope it stays there. It's trying to find the... Yeah, I found it. All right. How are things, really? Speaking to here? Yeah, 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 because we're, we're on video, which oh, I should it. tell you, this service is online. It's all got Second I, I service figured. isn't. I so if you've got to be mindful of the, you know... Uh, those who might watch. No, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Can you guys hear me okay? Got it. Yeah. So, son, how do you say your last name? Saturn. Saturn. This is son Saturn. See, I knew I would just get it wrong if I tried out of the gate. Uh, how long have you been the principal at Monroe now? Uh, it's my fifth year at Monroe Middle School. Very cool. Yeah. And you're a Christian, right? I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, a believer. Yep. Right? In fact, I think you're an elder across the street at Ecclesia. Yeah, I'm t- yeah I'm, I go to church right across the street. Yeah, very so, cool. So I, walk, I, I parked there and walked over. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to grab a parking spot while it's available, yeah, right? Yeah, so, especially second service. Yeah. yeah, you know, every once in a while, uh, your folks park in our parking lot and walk over. So. I'll tell them not to. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> especially on Easter, that's yeah. appreciated. That's appreciated. So, so I just have a few questions for you, some of which you might be comfortable answering, some you might not. Again, I just, we're on the sure, video. it's all good. I don't want to get you in it's trouble for anything. Um, but thank you for what you do at the school. Um, it is it is deeply appreciated. The Christian world, frankly, is struggling with education these days. What to do about it? And there are a lot of decisions that young parents are finding to be tough in a world that doesn't always look like Christ and doesn't always. And we have just said, you know what? We're going to lean into our partnership uh, with the school. You know, we have families who homeschool. Totally good with that. We support that. We have families uh, with kids in. Um, private school, you know, like Eugene Christian School or something of that nature. We have, we have families who are in public school. Many, many of our kids are in public school. Um, but we, a long, long time ago, said, you know what? 
we're going to walk alongside Monroe and, and just keep asking how we can help. Um, and so before we get into a little bit of that, um, what are the demographic makeups of Monroe? Sure, yeah, and it's changed. I think your kids went through there, right? Yes, yes. Years ago. I won't say how long ago. Yes, um, years, years ago. ago. But it's changed a lot since then. Uh, we're about 520 kids, you know, 60 to 7% white in terms of ethnicity, another 15 to 20 Hispanic Latino, 10% uh, biracial, and another small percentage that are, you know, African American, Asian, et cetera. But, um, but that's about the, the breakdown, and then and we're from – 30 to 4%, you know, what, what would be considered free to reduce lunch. Um, and, and that number is relative because the, the criteria has changed, and it's, it's based on who actually fills up form and paperwork. So those numbers are, are, are plus or minus, you know, 5 to 10%, but, um, but there's definitely a, a high needs of support and, and a lot of people who, who need support for sure. For sure. So, yeah, one, it's a good reminder that um, this means that young families are – uh, ethnically from a lot of different backgrounds as well, right? Because because a lot of times in this neighborhood specifically, Eugenians will say, and I, I've caught myself saying it, Eugene is a very white place. And I, I don't mean that racially like in a bad way. Just real, I'm a white guy, so I probably, it, it's maybe more noticeable to you or, or to Casey or to some of my other friends who aren't white. Um, the reason I think it matters that we talk about this is because if you want to know what the future looks like, all you've got to do is look at the schools. And we have said for quite a while now that we're going to do everything we can to love people, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is, whether, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're white or black or, or any, that we're going to do everything we can. And I've watched this same trend grow, especially, um, um, kids from a Hispanic background, um, that, that that's growing in our community. And I think it's worth noting that. So we've done a lot of things over the years. We've, we've brought your teachers uh, breakfast periodically. Um, we've, um, you know, I mean, there have been times where I, I, this might have been old and when my kids were there and, and even before your time, but I, I remember seeing the school say, man, it's January and we're out of tissues. And I went to Costco and bought two boxes of tissues and walked into the office like, here you go. Like, those things are real, right? Yeah, yeah, the tangible needs are real. I mean, at the end of the day, um, could we, you know, find money and funds internally? Absolutely, but I think it's also a great practical opportunity for churches and people in the community to partner. So people like you, you all out there partner with us all the time, whether it's breakfast or meals or tissue or reams of paper during COVID, hand sanitizer, right? All those things. So there's always a practical need, and, and I think that's the, the best advice I can give to a body of believers is just – it doesn't have it. It doesn't have to be anything revolutionary. It's usually the simple, practical things that really go a long way in terms of um, kind of showing people Christ's love and, and and you as a body manifesting Christ's love to to people out and and just in the world and in public education. So so yeah. Yeah, it's probably worth noting that you know there are two middle schools in this neighborhood, one right across the street, obviously. And um, if you look at the socioeconomic breakdown of the neighborhood. Um, there are, in the way the lines for the schools are drawn, um, more with a, on the lower socioeconomic side of things at Monroe than there are at, at Cal Young. I, I fairly often get asked by us, especially with folks that are new, there's a middle school across the street, why don't you adopt them? And I often say because the needs are so much greater at Monroe. Um, and so over the years, you know, we've been able... There, there are times where there are limits on what you can do. 
and your team has reached out to us and said, we have a family who, um, you know, maybe they're living out of the car. Maybe, uh, maybe the kids are splitting time between mom and dad's house, but it's not going well. Maybe, um, maybe they've just been evicted from where home is. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of us think that homelessness looks like a certain person on a street corner outside of a grocery store with a cardboard sign. But you guys have homeless kids. It doesn't always look like that, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how sometimes just leaning in in those ways makes a difference for kids or families. Yeah, yeah, I'd say to, to Brian's point, um, it looks a lot different and it feels different at that age. And so, and, and sometimes homeless just doesn't necessarily mean they're living out of a car. It, it's, you know, in dire need of clothes. It's in dire need of food. Um, you know, we get stories of kids, you know, going from point A to point B over the weekend or, or at midnight. And so it's our job to support them and encourage them and, and the families. And even though there are, it feels like an abundant amount of resources around the community, it, it's really hard for those families, those kids to access those, right? Because they're just worried about their basic physiological needs of what am I going to have for breakfast? The last thing they're thinking about is how do I get, get across the way with my LTD bus pass, right? But it's so, so those are some of the immediate needs where Brian, Julian, and, and the team have been just awesome about responding to immediate needs, future needs, you know, whether it's Christmas time or, or Thanksgiving time or at the beginning of the school year, you know, I think we did a backpack drive. I think yeah. that's when I met you five years ago. And, and um, so... Uh, your team has been super responsive to the basic, I'd say, physical needs. Um, like I said, even though it feels like there's an abundance of resources out in the community, which there probably are if you were to really kind of search, there's something about it being immediate right on the spot with local kind of hands, if that makes sense. So it's super helpful. And, um, yeah, the, the the demographics have changed a lot where it's, it's um, you know, more often than not um, we're working with students from – you know, broken households or single-parent households or, or split households. And, again, that's not a judgment on anyone or anything, but that's the reality of what we're working with. And, and with those things comes natural life trauma and circumstances that that, um, that are, are different than what I was used to when I was a teacher, you know, a long time ago. But, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think about, like, when my kids were in that fifth-grade to sixth-grade transition, that summer from fifth-grade to sixth-grade, um, when we're in a place of, um, this is going to sound political. I mean this in no political way at all, but a place of privilege. Um, the, the conversations around, can I remember my locker combination? And can I remember how to get from A to B? Because that's the difference between uh, elementary school and middle school. But if I'm at home not knowing about my next meal, or if I'm at home or not at home because I don't have a home, sometimes the worries are bigger. And it's hard to focus academically when I'm not, just, just homework is hard to do in a modern technological world when home looks like the backseat of a car or not even that. Um, that's significant. And so we want to say thank you um, sometimes for giving us the chance to partner in that way because we get regular calls for help. But one of the things we know through the partnership with you guys is that it's a legitimate need. Somebody's not using a system. They just legitimately need help. And so thank you for letting us partner in that way. Over the years, what has that done? We don't, we don't do this so that, so that your teachers think well of us, but I think there's a byproduct that sort of happens in that sense. You have some teachers who are believers. You have some teachers that are not believers. What, what is their perception generally of Harvest um, when, when we're able to come alongside and help? 
Yeah, I think we are uh, are not just our teachers, but our entire staff have a r- really positive perception of Harvest and other other nonprofits or churches that partner. You know, and I, I do my best to make it as explicit as possible who is helping our, our school. So probably three to four times a year in my kind of my quarterly emails or my welcome back to school email newsletter or end of the year. I'm giving specific shout outs. I think I gave you guys one a few weeks ago, you know, at the end of the quarter. So Harvest, thank you for XYZ. Thank you for the breakfast. And thank you, Ecclesia. Thank you. Your First Baptist helps us with kind of cleaning our, 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 our school at the beginning of the year through um, Project Serve. And so I, as a believer, try to try to straddle that fine line, right, but also trying to make it explicit to just our community, not just our t- staff, but our entire community. You know, that goes out to 520 families times, you do the math, right, of, of 1,000 plus people reading a simple newsletter, seeing Harvest, right, let's see our First Baptist on it. So trying to, I think the powers when they see, when I usually write those, they'll see, so usually in my newsletters I'll write like a special thanks to, the last one was Harvest for the breakfast and the pastries, Ecclesia and then First Baptist and Project Serve, so that you just kind of see the different, um, you know, Christ-loving uh, partnerships kind of stacked on each other. So I think there's lots of power in in that unity as well. So that's I try to be intentional with that while, while strapping that that fine line, right, of being a, a public educator with um, first and foremost a, a believer. So, and I, I do think right, it's worth recognizing that um, in church world, a lot of times it's easy. You know, in the American context, church shopping is kind of a thing, and that leads to this sense that we're competitors, right? That first be versus, I'm going to use the language intentionally, versus ecclesia, versus harvest. It's a competition. But when we're meeting needs in this way, there is no competition in the kingdom of God. There is unity and help and partnership when we can say Ecclesia is good. Look what they're doing, and Harvest is good, and look what they're doing. And does I hope in some unintentional but intentional sense that 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 some of the families in the school get a different picture of the Jesus we serve because they get a different picture of us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, and I would just echo what you talked about. Um, you know, it's not a competition, you know, I think prime example, you guys are helping us with uh, 30-ish, I think, kind of thanks in baskets, and, and there's a big need elsewhere, so our secretary has worked with Ecclesia and Harvest to funnel some of those elsewhere, because at the end of the day, we're on the same team, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter which box comes from where, and they know that it's it comes from a, a Christ-loving body and people who want to be the hands and the feet, so, so absolutely. Exactly, yep. exactly. Um, you know, just in general, as you go through the school year, what are some other ways we can help or pray? Yeah, I think a couple of things. Um, I, part of it's philosophical. I think for me, you know, when I got this is my tenth year doing this, and I was at the high school for five years, um, fifth year here at Monroe. I think um, one of my mantras is that the more the more healthy, positive adults we can have in schools, the better. So we've got all sorts of opportunities um, for lunch programs, connect with kids, mentoring, tutoring. Um, you know, there, there's a process, obviously, but that's one um, to meet tangible needs. Two, uh, I, I'd say the what well, I said, but I know that the mental health needs now of youth are just remarkable. I mean, I, you can't even quantify the needs of 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13, 14, all at the high school. I'm connected to the high school as well. But just um, some of the things these 11-year-old sixth graders are going through, you would just wouldn't, could never imagine, right? And so, um, so yeah, the, I'd say in terms of prayer, just for just the steadfast needs and supports and well-being of students. And I think, um, you know, counseling and 
services are wonderful and awesome, and those things are much needed. But at the end of the day, um, you know, as believers, you know, our hope and our prayers that they, they come to know our Lord as, you know, as their Savior, first and foremost. But beyond that, just um, just just the needs for sure. And that's kind of a broad term, mental health. But um, but it's manifested in many different ways. And so, as you said, Brian, a lot of times kids will come to school um, because that's, that is their safe space, right? When the kids hear about, oh, we don't have school for four days, a lot of them are bummed out. Not because we have an amazing school, but because they have lots of friends and adults who care about them, which is contrasting to maybe what they go home to. And so, so prayers for, for kind of all of those things, if that makes sense. That said, it says a lot about the culture you've created at the school, so kudos kudos to you guys uh, for working so hard. Um, I realize the next question, I, I don't want to put you in a difficult spot, but as a believer in the school system, public school system, um, I think a lot of believers have an, and I go back to the language I used before, an us versus them mentality with schools. How, how do you straddle that as a, as a believer in, in forging? That's a good question. Uh, first and foremost, just to not break any rules. Yes. <laughs> first and foremost, I tell all the people who come in, whether it's Young Life or Youth for Christ or Campus Life or other organizations or, or youth group leaders from different churches, you know, the first thing you can't, like, you just can't break the rules, right? You can't yeah. you know, proselytize and, and there's just things you can and can't do, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think for me, for my wife and I both, my wife was a, was a um, third grade teacher in Springfield for years. I think for us, we you know, instead of running away from the concerns and, and, and the sin and, and the, the contrasting views around life and politics, et cetera, you know, for us, we, I think we um, take great pride in being fully entrenched in it. And, and, and rather, like, I think there's an opportunity to really be salt and light. I think that's a phrase that comes to mind in terms of biblically is um, if we're not going to be salt and light, like who is going to be salt and light, right? And so um, so I think for us, we, we cherish those opportunities to have those conversations. I could tell you story after story, but... Um, but yeah, for, so I think it's a, it's a fine, it is a fine line. Um, but at the same time, um, I think that we have a, just a handful of us at Monroe specifically who, who love the Lord and are fully invested in our, our, our churches and are serving different ways. And, and, um, I think if you were to talk with community members and, and people, when they talk about people at the school, those are the ones who typically they talk about. And I think that's a, a testament to, to dipping the hands and the feet and being salt and light and, 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 and um, acting differently and, and, and feeling differently around around them. And so, um, so yeah, I think there's an opportunity to exude Christ and Christ's love in a setting that's really hard, right, honestly. it's You're, you're in the trenches, and um, it goes against kind of the, the, the grain and, and the fabric of your DNA, potentially, uh, of who you are. And, and I'm not even speaking politically, but just in terms of how Christ has, has made us to be. And so, um, but I think for my wife and I specifically, we, we take great, you know, pride and, and, and look forward to, to the challenges and, and uh, just the opportunity to, to, to be gospel and to be salt and light, if that makes sense. It makes 100% sense. This is where I want to contradict everything I've said before, right? Us versus them is such a diversion from Jesus entered into the world in order to transform it with great. And we're not Jesus, we know that. But there's a missionary calling on all of our lives to be in the world, not of the world. And, um, and I think, you know, a, a lot of us are missing it. So one, I want to say thank you for letting us partner with you too. And I want to encourage to any degree I can super appreciate what you're doing, um, as a believer and as a leader 
um, caring for, like the men, as you said, mental health needs are significant. Um, and then can we pray for you as, as we close today? Would you be okay with that? All right. Lord, I thank you for his son and his family, and I thank you for his leadership and his goodness to the Monroe community. And Lord, I pray that, um, that his presence would in some sense bring more encouragement and more light uh, to students who, uh, who, who just are having a hard time. Lord, in many ways, um, I thank you that there are men and women just like Son who are, are running in when a, lot of, when a lot of people run out. And uh, Lord, I pray for uh, health. I pray for safety. Um, Lord, I pray for encouragement uh, among his entire team. And I uh, thank you that we get to be a little part of bringing um, goodness and grace and light uh, to not only Monroe, but to our neighborhood and to families in our neighborhood. Jesus, we pray your blessing on all we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys Thank for you worshiping all. today. Appreciate it. You guys are great partners. Thank if you. If you want to hang around, we're going to do this again. Yeah, like during the announcement time of second service. So, uh, yeah, no, it's all good. Thanks, son. So thank you guys. Love you all. Thanks for hanging in uh, with us. Um, he didn't go long. I did. I'll put that on me. Love you guys. <laughs>